with mine in prayer. In your mercy, Lord, hear the prayers of your people. Grant to us all things needful and beneficial through Jesus Christ, our Lord. For the church, the people of his promise, to whom he has revealed his Son as Savior and Redeemer, that we may enjoy the gift of good and faithful ministers, and that the Lord may prosper the word and bring to fruition the proclamation of your word in every place and time. Lord, in your mercy, for the nation uh, and our leaders, that the Lord may grant them wisdom in their pursuit of justice, and for the cause of peace in the world and relief for those who suffer oppression. Lord, in your mercy, <clears throat> for the protection of life from its natural beginning to its natural end, for the special protection of the unborn, for mothers with child, for the safekeeping of mother and child during childbirth and those that care for them, and for the comfort of God's grace to those who suffer miscarriage or the death of a child. Lord, in your mercy. For the renewal of our fellowship as the body of Christ, for families, for husbands and wives, for parents, for those desiring to be married, for the single who desire marriage, and for the lonely who yearn to know the comfort of friendship and family. Lord, in your mercy. For the sick and those who suffer, that the Lord may grant them healing in accordance with his will. And for those who give aid and care to the sick, especially those that we lift up to you in our hearts now. <clears throat> Lord, in your mercy. For the grieving who suffer the loss of those they love, especially for those who mourn the loss of infants and children, for those in their last days, that the Lord may give them peace at the last and for the day when finally we shall be reunited with those who have died in Christ and that we would be raised with them to everlasting life. Lord, in your mercy. For our communion this day upon the body and blood of Christ, that we may receive this sacrament with faith and be strengthened by it, and that the Lord may soon bring unity of faith and doctrine so that all divisions may cease and we may be fully one at the altar. Lord, in your mercy. For grateful hearts, that we may receive the Lord's gifts with joy and use them wisely for his glory. And for grace, that our worship may be pleasing in the Lord's sight. Lord, in your mercy. For the Holy Spirit to increase our joy and sustain us in this joy and thanksgiving throughout the days of this Christmas season. Until that day, when at last the Lord returns in his glory as Lord and judge of all. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us, O Lord, for we are the people of your promise. And the children whom you have redeemed through the salvation accomplished for us through Jesus Christ, your Son and our Lord. Amen. This Christmas season is always a beautiful time of year. It really is gorgeous. I'm 
No matter where you live, whether you enjoy the snow and the way the weather makes people really, really cold, or you come here to Escondido and still get cold because it's a lot colder than I expected it to be <laughs> during the winter time. But nonetheless, it's enjoyable. The skies are blue. There's sunshine out there. There's joy in people's hearts, and you get to see people you haven't seen for a really long time. Christmas is beautiful. I don't know if you caught it in the gospel reading in Matthew. This is actually a, a sad part in the Christmas story where we see the wrath of Herod and the kind of expression of evil that comes out. Remember, as the Magi came in to see Herod, he was very concerned about the fact that there might be somebody to take over his throne. And so he slyly, cunningly, figured out the time in which they had saw the star, tried to figure out where this Lord was to be born, where this Messiah, this new king of the Jews was to be born. And then the Magi split another direction and didn't get to go talk to him again. God's way of protecting people, right? Give a little more time. And once Herod figured that out, he unleashed his wrath. All throughout Bethlehem, he had those male children that were two years old and younger killed. It's a sad time in the Christmas history. You see, because in, in that time, God was still preserving his church. He was still preserving his son. He was still preserving his loved ones. Yet at the very same moment, that amount of sadness was going on. Because in that same time frame, Gabriel had come to Joseph, right? And said, Joseph, pick up Mary, get the child, get yourselves out of this place and down to Egypt. That's a long haul if you're not quite familiar with the geography down there. But from Bethlehem to Egypt, you've got at least a week's walk, if not a, quite a bit longer. Near a couple of weeks to maybe three. And he said, get out of here, Joseph. I've called you to protect this child. I've called you to protect his mother. I've called you to protect my son and my church. Get him out of here. And he did. And it echoes so much of what God did when he took the Israelites into Egypt the first time. And if you walk through the Gospel of Matthew, you're going to see where Jesus is the fulfillment of everything that Israel was supposed to be. Israel had gone down to Egypt, and God called them out, led them by Moses. Jesus went down to Egypt, and then when the timing was right, God called them out and brought them back into his land, into the place where his people were to grow, into the place where his church was to grow, into the place where the Lord and the Messiah was to make his stand. And you will see the fulfillment of everything that Israel was supposed to be in Christ. And that's beautiful for the people of Israel. That's beautiful for that nation, for that people. But then we're kind of stuck, especially as those that may not have a Jewish background, that may not have a background within that nationality. So we sit outside of that and say, God, thank you for saving your sons, your people. But what about us? Where do we fit in? How do we fit into that whole mix of family? How do we tie together with all of that? That's the concern 
that lay upon the hearts of those in Galatia that Paul was writing to, in Corinth, and Rome, and Thessalonica, and Philippi, and all the places that Paul went and talked to, and all the places that Luke traveled around to and talked to and spread the gospel with, and all of the places that you look in the book of Acts and you see the early church going out, they would hear this word and say, that's beautiful, except where do we fit in? How do we count as part of that family? If Jesus was the Messiah of the Jews, then what does that make a difference for the rest of the world? How does that make a difference for anything? If they are the heirs of the kingdom and he's their Messiah, what does that have to do with me? So Paul starts writing to those in Galatia and he he uses a line of logic which is very easily followed and able to be followed as we hear it because earlier on in his text he says look i'm writing in a way that you're going to understand i'm writing in the words of men is is what he says i'm writing in a way that you're going to understand and i want you to think about what it means to be a child and be a slave and so he says look when children are born they're children and they're under the guidance of something for a while Now, they have no right, they have no voice, they have nothing really. They're pretty much the same level as a slave. Now, they may be loved different or treated a little different. Remember, the slavery of that time is more often than not different than what our recollection is in American history, where it was much of an abuse. But they had the same voice pretty much. And so a slave was under the guidance of his master and a child was under the guidance of a tutor or one to care for them, a guardian of sorts. And so Paul said, look, the guardian that we have had as we have grown, in the Jewish setting, it was the law, it was the Torah, it was the words of Moses, it was this guidance that God handed down through his word to say, look, I have loved you and I have made you mine now to be one of my children. You're going to grow up in this way and live in this way. And so we hear that in the fullness of time, Jesus was born of a woman born under the law. Okay, so he's born under that Torah, born under that law, born under the way in which God would have his children live. But see, that word law, we can expand a little bit more here in a different way. Because that law is also God's expectation for his creation. Okay? So I want you to hear it this way also. Two ways in which Jesus was born. In the fullness of time, the Son of God was born, born of a woman, born under the expectation of his creation, and born under the Torah, born under the way in which he would expect his children to live. Those two ways. So those that were born in Israel, born under the Torah, born under that law. Those outside of Israel, born under God's expectation for his creation, born in the normal way in which things would happen, born as a man, a woman, born as a child. And we see Jesus born as both. The very son of God, born in the flesh, born under the way in which the Israelites were to grow up under that law, but then also born as you were born, born as I was born, born in a way in which God himself came down and had flesh. 
which was mind-boggling to the Galatians because no God of theirs would ever put on flesh. No God would ever want to have anything to do with the dirtiness and messiness of life. No God of theirs would ever want to have any part of this creation but would want to remain separate from it, pure from it, clean from it. And Paul says, no, God, the Father, he sent his Son off into the world to wrap himself in that creation to walk in your shoes, to live life in your shoes, to live under the very same law and order of creation that you live under. And because he did that, and because he even undid the corruption of the creation as he won the victory over death and Satan and the devil and sin itself, as he won that victory and rose again still in flesh, he said, now I have died under the law to fulfill the law of the Torah and I have died under the law of creation to fulfill that law and I rise again so that you can have life, so that you can be counted as a son and daughter, so that you can be counted as an heir. So that whether we're born in Israel under that nation or whether we're born outside of that, Christ himself came down for all of it. No matter what your background is, Christ has risen for you and was born for you so that you would be considered a child of God, so that you, being baptized in his name, would carry the same name that Christ does, so that you would have life in the same way that Jesus has life. See, in the Isaiah text, we heard that the people of God were there, and God was pleased with them, and then they rebelled because they grieved his Holy Spirit. And then we hear in the Galatians text how Christ was raised again. And as God considers us sons and daughters of his, as he considers us his children, he sends his Holy Spirit, the very Holy Spirit of Christ himself, into us as his children so that we would see the goodness he has for us in life and grace and mercy, so that we would see the promises that he has made, so that we would trust in those promises when he says, look, I have life for you. And I know there's things we walk through now that are horrible. Like Herod. Like the mothers and fathers in Bethlehem that lost their children in that very short time frame as Herod's wrath was unleashed. Yet God's promises still were not shaken because God was taking care of all of creation in Christ. And promises the day when Christ is the only one that will have the last say on things. There will be no more Herod's present in the midst of God's creation. Because God will be in the midst of his creation. And so now in this day, we still wonder though, what does it look like to live as God's child? We know the promises. We trust in the promises. We thank God for the faith he has given us in our hearts, by his spirit. And we say, what does life look like now as we wait on those promises? Well, you see the sign almost every time you walk out of here. It says, hear, learn, and care. God's people, guided by his spirit to hear his word 
where you're continually gathered together around his word to hear his promises of love and forgiveness for you. To receive in your mouths the very body and blood of Christ for your forgiveness and for the strengthening of faith. To hear his word proclaimed in scripture and to hear forgiveness spoken into your ears. That's one part of it. To gather together in other times outside of a Sunday morning. To learn his word together to live life together in the community groups, to, to be together as a Christian family, to share meals together, to pray for one another, and to care. To trust in God's promises so much that no matter what comes your way, you know that God is in control. He has loved you exceedingly, unabashedly, any other adjective you want to throw in there? So that we can give and take care of the people around us. So we can care for our loved ones, care for our neighbors, care for the people we don't know. To give of our time, to give of the monies that God gives us first, to give of our talents and the gifts that God gives. To be able to share those with the world around so that when they look at the church, they don't say, oh my goodness, look at that judging group of people. But they say, wow. How can someone love and care that much? How can they live life in such a way in which they understand the brokenness, but they see the love that God has for people? And they can speak in a way, speak into situations, speak into areas where you might walk along some, along life with somebody who's walking through a trouble and you can say, yeah, I've been there. I've been there, and I just want to sit and listen. I just want to sit and share God's love with you, whatever that looks like. See, because as Christ was the fulfillment of everything that Israel was supposed to be, he then lives within us to go do the same things he did, to share God's love for people, to care for the world around, and to show them some little glimpse of the promises to come in the life everlasting when we are resurrected again to a life to live with Christ and to live together as his church in the new creation, in the new faith. Oh, not new faith. In the fulfillment of the hope that he has given us now. And so we trust and we wait and we thank God for all that he has done for us in Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Church, would